Uh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, we kind of like to hear a good testimony, don't we? It's wonderful to hear people who have been lost in sin and shame, and then they come to know the Lord. They're able to give a powerful message about how Jesus Christ changed their lives. We like to hear those. I remember when I was on the island of Diego Garcia um, during my time in the United States Navy. I was able to spend the six months there. Uh, Diego Garcia is in the, the British Indian Ocean Territory. And so it, it's just a, a little island off the tip of India. And maybe you've watched some of the old military movies. That's one of the, the places where the, the hero of the story misbehaves and the commanding officer threatens to send him to Diego Garcia, where he will never come back from again. But I I was there. And I was involved with the, the Christian church and the, the chapel programs on the base, and I well remember there was a, a ship that came in, and so, you know, a guy from the, the ship came to our, our meeting, a, a new face, and he gave one of those powerful testimonies about how he, he was lost in, in, in sin and, and shame, and, and Jesus Christ had redeemed him from that life. And then later on, he went over to the enlisted club, and he got so drunk that his friends had to physically carry him back to the parents. And I thought to myself at that time, that is not what the Christian life is supposed to be about. But really, the, the Christian life is uh, like the Apostle Paul is uh, telling us in the text for today. You know, Paul says, if you look at my life, yeah, you wouldn't find any outward sin. I was baptized on the right day. I went to the right Christian schools. I was brought up in the faith. If you gathered private investigators, they couldn't find any dirt on me. But guess what? I'm not perfect. Okay, the Apostle Paul, he, he admits to us, you know, whether it be in, in his you know, secret thoughts, that there are things that he struggles with, right, that he isn't perfect, but he presses on toward the goal. What, what is the goal? The goal is perfection, isn't it? The goal is that because Jesus Christ died for me, I want to live for him. I want to always be trying my best. I want to be doing the best that I can to overcome sin. I want to have that as my center. I'm striving for mastery. Right? I don't know if your, your moms or, or dads or any of your teachers ever talked about that concept, but you know, really, it's that every single day I'm trying to get better at the things that I do. 
you know, whether it, it be that you're an, an auto mechanic and so you're keeping up on the latest literature and you're studying about the, the newest cars that are, are coming out, that you're refining your uh, technique, that you're, you're buying the tools that will help you to be effective, that you're working toward mastery. Or whether it is that you're a farmer and you're keeping up on the, the latest crops and the latest seed that you can plant, that you're always keeping your mind active and you know trying your best to improve the property that you know perhaps your great great grandfather has passed down to you. Whether it, it is that, that you're a, a, a housewife, whether it is that you're a, a bricklayer, whether it is that you're a professor at a prestigious university. That every single day you're trying your best, you're doing your best. And for us as Christians, we're doing our best for God. And it's not that we ever arrive, right? Like the Apostle Paul says, it's not that we ever are going to become perfect in this life. But we are striving for it. We are trying to attain. We are working every day. Now, my testimony, it, it's not anything like uh, the, the ones perhaps that, that you love to hear. But, you know, as a, a young man, I, I grew up in the church. You know, my, my parents made me attend services. Um, you know, even my, my senior year of high school, you know, there I, I was 18 years old, you know, and, and I, I came in at like five in the morning, one Sunday morning, and I fully expected I was going to sleep in because I'm 18 and I'm a senior and who needs to always go to church every single Sunday? There was my dad when it was time to, to get up, and I hadn't responded to him right away. He took hold of my ankle, and he was violently shaking my leg. Son, it's time to get up for church. Right? Many of you grew up in that same way, right? No, you live under my roof, and it's my rules, and we go to church on Sunday, and you're going to be there. And it doesn't matter if you came in at 5 in the morning. No, you're going to be in the church. And, and I went to the, the Sunday schools, and, you know, I, I, I had a special feeling of, of closeness to uh, the Lord on my confirmation day. But you know what? When I, I, I went away to college, right, it, it, it didn't matter that much to me. You know, I, I knew about the Lord. I read through my Bible one time because, you know, I got a Bible for confirmation and, you know, good Christians probably read their Bibles and I don't want to be a good Christian. So I read through my Bible one time, but uh, I, in college, didn't, didn't really care that much. And the, the Lord sent me a, a, a good friend and my good friend, he would come by my room on Sunday morning. He'd pound on my door. Boom, boom, boom. I said, go away, I'm sleeping. He said, no, it's time to go to church. Boom, boom, boom. So pounding on the door. And so finally feeling kind of guilty, I, I get up out of bed. It's okay. And I get dressed. And I go to the church with him. Sure. 
But again, for, for me, my Christian faith was that I, I knew a lot about the Lord, but I didn't really know Him. No, it, it's kind of like, you know, you have a favorite person from history and you read a lot of books about them, you know. Like, for example, you know, George Washington was one of your, your favorite people. You know, it's, oh, I read George Washington's biography. I've read two or three of his biographies. I, I, I read the 16 volume biography on Abraham Lincoln. I know a lot about my favorite person. But yeah, since uh, they're from history, right, you never actually got to meet them. Now, maybe you know a lot about them, but you never came face to face with them. You never had an actual you know, relationship with them. You know stuff, you know facts, but you can never know the person. And, and, and really, my friends, that is what my relationship with God was like. I, I read my Bible. I had read, you know, books about the Christian faith. Uh, but it didn't really get to my core. It, it wasn't deep inside. And so about the, the year 1989, I, I can't really point to a, a particular day. But in 1989, I began attending a, a different church, and it really started to affect me that the Christian life should be different. Now, we see a lot of people out there, and, and they have slogans like, Adulterers for Christ. And have you ever just said, What? No, what, what are they even talking about? Adulterers for Christ. What, what is that even? Because Jesus Christ changes people's lives, you see. If you actually come face to face with the Savior, something is going to change in you. And so in the year 1989, you know, that happened for me. Something began to change. I began to realize that some of the, the books that I was reading, I probably should not be reading. Some of the, the TV shows I, I was watching, I probably shouldn't be watching. Some of the movies that I, I like to, to see on the big screen, I, I, I probably shouldn't be going to some of them. Some of the friends that, that I had, you know, probably should not be in my inner circle. You know, the, the people that, that come over and say, hey, let's go out and get drunk on Friday night. That, that probably doesn't need to be one of your best friends. Uh, let, let's drink a bunch of, of beer and fall down in the gravel and drag each other around on our faces. What is that? That doesn't need to be one of your, your, your good friends. And so, you know, we, we come then to that realization. If Jesus Christ is in my life, some things are going to change. There, there are things I, I'm going to get rid of. There, there are relationships that I just can't be in anymore. I, I maybe need to go out and find a new group of friends. Because the, the ones that I have are dragging me down. They're leading me back into sin. Our Lord and Savior, he comes to each 
of us. And, and he says, follow me. Now, it, it means that from the greatest of sin that perhaps a person might have, although I, you know, probably not sharing with anyone here today, but even if you had been a murderer, it means you're going to stop murdering people, right? And even if you had been an adulterer, it means you're going to stop committing adultery. And even if you had been a thief, it means you're going to stop stealing, right? Even if you are in the habit of spreading false rumors because you somehow think it's fun and, it, you know, it could stir the pot and it gives you a, a little bit of a boost, it means you're going to stop spreading false rumors. And then once you stop doing the things on the outside, it's going to become more refined, isn't it? Because we all continue to struggle with sin in our minds, don't we? But the Lord, he comes and he says, guess what? The fruit of the Spirit is peace and joy and love, right? Self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. And, and so, you know, if you were going through the week then as a, a Christian who's connected with God and you begin to realize you're, you've been losing your temper quite a bit, you know, I, I snapped at my wife and then, you know, I kicked the dog and I, I went to that athletic event and I yelled at the referee and got in their face after the outcome in the parking lot and then, you know, I did some other things and and I should come to the place where I would, would stop and say, well, you know, guess what? The, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control and, and peace and joy and love, and I'm just exploding and yelling at everybody through the week. Something is going wrong. And so what do I need to do? I, I need to stop. I, I need to turn around. I need to fall on my knees before God. I need to be able to say, Lord, you know what's going on. You know what's in my mind, that I'm really angry. And Lord, please forgive me. And Lord, please restore me and restore to me the joy of my salvation. And so it goes for every aspect of our lives, doesn't it? You see that we realize in our heart we're going the wrong way. We understand that we need to come back again. That something is going wrong. I'm not connected with God like I used to. No, I, I, I woke up Monday morning and everything was was uh, fine, but then I noticed that my friend Bob just bought a brand new truck. That's a $70,000 truck that Bob just drove up to my house in. Where's my $70,000 truck? I've been working as hard in my life as Bob has been working. Why don't I have a $70,000 truck? I got all these old cars laying around, you know, and they're like 20 years old, and where, where's my 
brand new. I think I deserve a brand new truck. Well, guess what? Now, now my, my joy is gone. You know, my, my, my peace is gone. I'm starting to uh, obsess about how unfair life is. I, I'm, I'm jealous of, of my good friend. I don't know if I even want him coming over to my house anymore if he's going to drive that new truck over here. Talk to me. Ha, ha, why? My new friend, he's going Everything starts to fall apart, doesn't it? It's just because I, I start to covet. Right, we're to the ninth and tenth commandment. I'm beginning to covet my neighbor's possessions, and I'm just not happy. And my life is going badly now. And what do I need to do? I need to be able to return to the Lord. Right? I need to be able to gather within myself some things that, that I'm grateful for. You know, maybe I'm able to go to the Lord and, and, and say, Lord, even though I only have a $5,000 truck, it hasn't broken down for the last five years. Oh, thank you, Lord, for giving me a dependable vehicle. I, it doesn't need a, a lot of maintenance. It gets me around. I begin to be able to count my blessings once again. Sometimes for us in the United States, it, it, it's really difficult, though, isn't it? But remember reading a, a report that they said, yeah, you know what? If you have a roof over your head and you have a refrigerator in your house to keep your, your food cool, you are among the top 20% of the world's wealthiest people. Right? You think about that. Just having a roof over your head and a refrigerator in your house, it puts you in the top 20% of the world's wealthiest. And there I was crying that I don't have a $70,000 truck in front of my house. I was sad. But it all becomes a matter of comparison, doesn't it? And so you and I, at any moment in we tend to stop coveting our neighbor's possessions. We can return to the Lord. We can say, Lord, thank you so very much for the gifts that you've given me. And when your attitude begins to turn around, then all of a sudden, the peace and the joy and the love and the self-control, it comes back, doesn't it? You just return to the Lord. You just fall on your knees. You, you just say, Lord, you know the thoughts that I was thinking this week. Lord, you, you know how upset I've been about this particular thing. Lord, you, you know how angry I was at that person. Lord, you, you understand what I'm going through. And Lord, please forgive me and help me and restore me. And, and then he does, doesn't he? You see, for all of us here today, we're able to tell that same kind of story, aren't we? That even though a, a, a lot of you are, are, are just like me, that, you know, maybe your, your testimony isn't all that profound. You know, I grew up in the, the church. And I had godly parents. And, and, you know, I had good friends that came along with 
when I wasn't as strong as I should have been, and now we're here. We've lived the life. We understand what it is to have peace and joy and love. We understand what it is to be forgiven in Christ. And we understand what it is to be able to come back again. Even though our sin be as great as yelling hateful things at our parents. Or our sin be simply something in our own mind that we struggle with a lot of days. We know the Lord. We don't just know about him. We haven't just heard a lot of Bible studies or a lot of sermons or a lot of things on the radio, but you have personal experience. He's been there for you. He's helped you come back time and time again. He's forgiven your sins through the years. And you know in your heart, just as I've said today, it's only a prayer away. Just turn back once again. Fall on your knees. Say to him honestly, Lord, you know what I'm going through. You know how I felt when that person hurt me. You know how I struggled with Bob's $70,000 drive. You know the things that I'm facing. And Lord, help me. And he does. And he always will. Because he loves you so very much. Amen. And may the grace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.